0: You find yourself at the Hurt Take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. This is the MMA podcast by the fans for the fans. Well, the UFC put on a bit of a ooh, maybe not a fan friendly show this weekend. I guess. I mean, for maybe for the Japanese crowd, it was a fan friendly thing. Japan, of course, land of the rising sun, home of pride. Home of corruption and being in the pocket of the Yakuza. <laughs> Not anymore, I guess, hopefully. Uh, but a bit of a dud-looking card on paper, that's for sure. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be headlined by uh, Shogun versus Oven saint Pru, which is a little bit like a tree falling in the forest with no one around to hear it. I don't think anyone really wanted that fight in the first place. And then Shogun got hurt. And so they replaced Shogun... With hometown hero Yushin Okami. Who I, I have a soft spot for. I don't know why, but I always had a soft spot for Yushin Okami. And then Anderson Silva did the a matrix thing, you know, and that when he had his title shot and Silva put him away and the UFC cut him, it was kinda like, Yeah, I guess I see it. You know, we were all caught up at the time because that was in that little purge of the John Fitches and all this stuff. And Okami went and everyone was kind of pissed because it was like, you're cutting all these veterans, you're cutting all these guys who deserve better livings and stuff. Well, it looks like the way Yushin Okami made his return to the UFC, they probably made the right choice in the first place. Oh, God. Um, so Obin St. Prue versus Yushin Okami as a headliner. lackluster is a word for it, uh, on paper again, nobody wanted that fight. And then, and then, and then Yushin Okami came out and within the first 10 seconds of the fight pulled half guard on Ovin St. Prue dove in, I think for a single leg and then pulled into half guard uh, momentarily tried to elevate Omen St. Prue, lift him off the mat and sweep him, which I don't know. I guess if you were going for a takedown these days, it, it seems like the, the most back asswards way of doing it, considering the evolution of the sport is to pull guard and then try and sweep a guy. I can't remember the last time I've seen someone sweep somebody in a fight. I can't remember the last time I've seen a fighter on the bottom, sweep another guy. Like, the, like an old-school Brazilian jiu-jitsu sweep. Because most of the time these days, they're sweeps and, and reversals and taking guys back. They come out in scrambles. They don't come because you throw yourself on your back and let the guy sit on top of you. I mean, at this point, I think we recognize that half guard is a position that, you know, top control players love. They get to sit on your leg and hold you in position and tee off on your face. With their fists. So nobody does it anymore. Nobody likes being in half guard. It's a bad spot to be in. The sport has evolved past that. And Yushin Okami pulled himself into it. In the first 10 seconds of the fight. So that was bad. That was step number one. Bad step. And then. And then. I don't even know how to explain it. But. If there's one thing about Ovin St. Preux. That you can say. If he's got a calling card. or reputation for anything. It's that. He he, he at, at the time had two von Flew choke finishes. There were four in history. He had two of them. So you'd think that if you're on the bottom and you have done any research, any scouting of o- Ovin St. Preux, you would you would not you would not put yourself in a position for a von Flew choke to happen. And yet Ovis, uh, and yet Yushin Okami He did. He did. He reached over and tried to trap Ovin St. Prue's head in a guillotine type move, which is the worst thing. He trapped his own arm. And then Ovin was able to step over, press his shoulder down into Okami's uh, throat. And that was it. About a 30-second fight. And Ovin St. Prue gets the third Von Fluchoke finish in the history of the UFC. I mean, good for Ovin St. Preux. I love that he's like, he's basically, the move is now no longer the Von Flu choke to some people. Like some people just, that that's the St. Preux choke. But <clears throat> man, Yushin Okami, just. <laughs> there, that is just one of the, I can't think of another fighter who shot themselves in the foot so severely like that is just that was one of the worst like you know chris weidman had that spinning wheel kick against luke rockhold that's a really famous example and then rockhold took him down right immediately and pounded the shit out of him but at least weidman was sort of playing the game as we understand it now okami was playing ufc 2008 like he was he was trying to play the game back on the level uh of the evolution of the sport was when he left it he left he came back and he was still trying to play the same stuff but the sport has evolved so rapidly it's not the same sport anymore nobody wants to be on their back nobody plays the brazilian jiu-jitsu game from their back anymore except maybe a few guys you know i was even, i don't even know who who that would be damian Maez is is uh an incredible BJJ practitioner within the framework of an MMA fight, but he, he uses it from the top. He uses it from the top. And most of the time when he actually tries to pull guard on guys, it's to, it's to sweep and get them, but not to be on his back. Oh God. So that was, that was a bit of a, a head slapper. Not, I have no idea why, what he was thinking. Just brutal. But, uh, the real the real big fight on the card though, the prestige fight was Jessica Andrade versus Claudia Gedalia. Now these are the two ladies who have both had title shots against Joanna and Jacek at strawweight. Uh Gadelha gave Yunjaeck probably her toughest matchup Andrade looked uh increasingly more and more overmatched as their fight went along. So you match up basically the two and number three in in the division. I know Ro- I said this last week. I know Rose has the next title shot, but I don't see her as being better than these two ladies. They've put together better streaks and looked better in their fights than than Rose has in hers. But first off, kudos to the boys over at the Heavy Hands podcast. Uh, if you have never listened to that podcast, it's fantastic. Real technical stuff. They just break down the fights from a from a Uh, an analytical point of view, Connor Roy, uh, Connor Rabish and Patrick Wyman. They basically called this down, down to a T. Uh, They were saying Gedalia was is the cleaner striker. They predicted she'd be the more technical striker early on. um, And that the key was going to be how she, whether she could get her takedowns. And now that, and that ended up happening in the fight, the way she gets her takedowns normally, um, is a bit more like Gre- uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. She likes to get trips and things. Um, and in this fight, she did not get the kind of takedown she wanted. Once it was clear her grappling wasn't going to hold up, Androge was just able to really press her back and and you know be more physical, be more aggressive. And I think at some point, maybe in the early in the second round, uh when Andradje had Gedalia she grappled her to the ground and Gedalia was trying to wall uh, cage walk and Andradje hit her with a big knee to the side and I feel like that hurt her because after that she looked exhausted Gedalia looked egg- exhausted and then the rest of the fight was s- surprisingly one-sided I I was shocked with how one-sided it ended up looking so I really think Gedalia must have been hurt or something because she faded hard and and did not look Remotely competitive from then on out. Andrade looked great, you know, and Gedalia didn't. But in hindsight, this matchup feels a bit... It felt a bit early for me to to pit these two against each other, considering the caliber and... they That they both re- more or less recently had title shots against Joanna, and so to immediately put them head-to-head... This felt more like a, a title eliminator type of fight considering their status. You know, but hey, Andrade with the win now is right back in it. Um, but I feel like she's a bit in like that Chad Mendez territory. You remember when Chad Mendez had his first loss to Jose Aldo, he came back and he rattled off four consecutive crushing finishes and then a fifth win by decision before getting his next title shot. Like, I feel like that's what it's going to take for Andrade maybe, but that division is thinner. So if she did that in two or three consecutive fights, she'll get her shot again. But that's why this fight was a bit weird to me. I thought that you could you could have put Andrade against a bit of a lesser opponent for her follow-up after losing to Joanna and, and kind of give her a bit of more of a tune up fight and then put her in against someone like Gedalia. Because that really helps build the momentum. Now, who are you going to put her against? She's she's she just crushed a top contender. Are you going to put her against someone who's further down in the rankings? That's not building momentum to me. That's plateauing a bit. So, hey, it, it was a, I thought it would be more competitive, but it wasn't, and draw is right back in it. And looked really good. Looked really, really good. Bo- and now both of these ladies, Gadalia and Andrade, could probably b- bounce up to flyweight 125 once that division gets going. In theory. Does that would be interesting. Uh, Bellator, meanwhile, put on a card. And the biggest story that came out of this was their golden child, Aaron Pico, uh, bounced back nicely bounced back nicely from his debut which of course was the hype train going into that was fever pitched you know Bellator was really promoting this guy as a big star like he could be their big star and he just stepped in a pile of dog shit and (laughs) and looked bad you know got clipped in that first fight in that debut and that was his hype train came to a screeching halt Screeching halt that was a that was a terrible terrible outcome for them, so it was nice to see him get you know that that first big victory of course, it was against someone I've never even heard of. I still don't even remember that the person's name, but Pico put him out, put him out clean with a nice counter uh counter left hook I think a check left hook caught him clean, and just that was that, and he did a bit of the walk off as soon as the guy. Fell back against the cage. He just threw his arms up. Gotta love that. Gotta love the confidence. So keep your eye on Aaron Pico, I guess. I mean, you know, Bellator is gonna keep marketing him, so keep paying attention. See if he lives up to that hype. One thing I took from the Bellator card is... You know, again, it can't be said enough, but the Bellator... Roster has some really competitive quality fighters on there, and they don't get enough credit for that sometimes. Um, you know, and other than Rory McDonald, who came from the UFC who is who's pretty much dominated since crossing the pond into Bellator, you know it, these UFC guys coming over the Re- Lorenz Larkins of the world who got who got beat by Paul Daly on the on this weekend's card, you know it's really just proving that the highest. Um, the high highest caliber fighters that they have in Bellator can be, would be very competitive in the UFC. They would be. They would hang, man. We've seen that before. Eddie Alvarez, uh, uh, Ed, sorry, Eddie Alvarez came over. He hung tough. He was the lightweight champion for a bit. You know, Gilbert Melendez. I know he hit the skids when he came over to the UFC, but he was a tough out for every guy he's fought in the UFC. So there's, you know, there's there's quality. Um, outside of the UFC and these other promotions, that sometimes doesn't get enough credit. But I guess th- the thing that that Bellator lacks is the depth, right? They don't have the depth of roster. They've got guys you've never heard of. They've got guys who are really raw, guys who frankly would never make it to the UFC. Uh, so it's kind of like the UFC. It's kind of like Bellator and the UFC is kind of like the NFL and the CFL, right? The top 3 or 4 guys in the CFL would certainly compete in the NFL. The top 3 or 4 guys on a CFL on any CFL roster would certainly compete in the NFL. But the 3 or 4 guys on the bottom end of the NFL roster would be incredible additions to a CFL roster. You see what I'm saying? So it's like the best guys in the CFL, they could play. They would they could play in the NFL for sure. But those guys that aren't getting any playing time in the NFL, they'd be good quality starters in the CFL, but not stars. So there's a bit of a crossover where, like, that exists. In the UFC, some of the guys on the bottom end, they come down to Bellator, and they would just be guys. They would be just guys. Quality guys, but just guys. But the top guys on the end of the Bellator roster, they could come over to the UFC and be competitive and contend for titles. They have those kinds of guys on their roster. So, uh, one former UFC fighter Benson Henderson lost a split decision on this card to Patricky Freire one of the Pitbull bros kind of like Mario and Luigi but they're the Pitbull bros Super Mario bros and the Pitbull bros Benson Henderson said that the split decision losses that he's had recently are burning his soul. You know, (laughs) I like Benson Henderson well enough, but it's incredibly ironic for him to say something like that. Coming, He's the king of the decision. Benson Henderson is the king of the decision. This is a guy who was involved in 10 decisions in the UFC in his 14 fights. Four of those were split decision victories. In other words, he he was as close to losing as he was winning. Since then, he's been in three decision fights in four in Bellator. Two of those being split decision losses. So his fighting style is just so close to the edge, man. He, he's never separating himself from his opponent. He's kind of—it's almost like he's got one gear, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for a guy who fights in in one gear and then is is says, "Oh, these split decision losses are burning my soul." Sorry, man. Press more, press more, take more risks. You know, if you look at the NFL, man, in the NFL, there's an advanced stat that that has proven out that teams that have a winning record in close games from one season, so games that are seven points or fewer. We'll just talk some NFL shop for one second. Virtually, those teams always regress back to the average the next year. So if you play four close games one year and you're three and one, the next year, you're as likely to be one and three. And that's a big swing, right? If you're a 10-win team and all of a sudden you lose two victories, now you're an 8-8 team. You miss the playoffs. So guys in... in In fighting, if you're dancing that close to the fire for that long, you will get burned. You will regress. You will eventually hit a streak where you're losing a lot of decisions. Because that's just how it works, man. That's just how it the ebb and flow. Some go your way, some don't. And that's why you need to have a style that presses your advantage a bit more. That's why the UFC says, never leave it in the hands of the judges, all that garbage. Yeah, whatever. That's that's a marketing thing. That's trying to get guys to go out there and get themselves knocked out. No, you just need to adapt your style so that you're not coming into these decisions so closely matched. Because you've pressed yourself. The decisions are obvious decisions. So I don't really have a lot of sympathy for Benson Henderson that way. It's burning my soul. Oh. Sorry, man. Stop! Stop fighting for decision victories. Yeah, that's it. In UFC news, can't can't Chris Cyborg Justino ever just stay out of the headlines for good reasons? You know, like she always seems to find her way into the headlines, and it's ne- and it's 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 like one week it's good and the next week it's bad. You know, last week, Edmund Targaryen is talking up Ronda Rousey. Oh, we would want the Cyborg fight. Cyborg has a great retort. Only if it was in the WWE. And just throws them under the bus. Throws that shade. Looking great. This week, the story about Cyborg is that somebody called the police on some drug testers who showed up to get her piss. Oh, like what? Stay out of the headlines for those reasons. There's, it's always something with her. It's crazy. So the backstory is she's in Thailand and some non, uh, um, some, some USADA representatives from a third party affiliate. So they're not, they don't work for USADA. They work for a third party that USADA has the hires to go and get samples for them. These representatives showed up in Thailand to collect a sample from the featherweight champion, Chris Cyborg. And these agents were detained and then eventually released by police because they did not have a working visa. Now, before you go and make any judgments, okay, all you need to know at the end of the day is that Cyborg provided her test. She gave them her piss. She gave it to them willingly. So if she was trying to obscure any test, if she was trying to avoid it or skip out on it, she did a terrible job. She gave them their piss. You know. So it's a, bit, it's a little bit like saying, oh, you're trying, to get a, you're trying to get out of murder by throwing away that handgun. No, she, she handed over the smoking gun. Okay, so if, if she's dirty, she did a terrible job at hiding it. Now, apparently the police were called there because these two agents did not identify themselves to the hotel. And so the hotel staff say that these two people were asking about Cyborg and about getting her urine. Okay? Now, I don't know why you would talk to hotel staff about getting piss from somebody ever. I mean, that's just weird. You know, you go you go down to the front desk and say, Oh, excuse me, can we get some clean towels in my bathroom? And can I get some of your piss? The f- What the hell is that? strange strange so when these guests then uh went and knocked on cyborg's door apparently the hotel became very suspicious and called the cops because i guess nobody in thailand will ask for your piss unless it's the cops this is apparently a thing so they called the cops the cops showed up uh found out that neither of these agents had a valid work permit okay and so these two people were detained I can't even begin to explain how strange this all is. And Thailand is a notoriously corrupt country, okay? So when we're talking about police enforcing things, who even knows what the hell that means? You know, apparently, one of the testers even tried bribing one of the cops, according to Cyborg's boyfriend, Ray Elby. And it was not a good look for Cyborg, not a good look at all. Guilty or innocent, this is a bit like the John Jones thing, right? Like she's she's due her day in court and and whatever. But you you do not do yourselves any favors when you keep on putting yourselves in the crosshairs this way, rightly or wrongly. Okay, in the court of public opinion, you're you're screwing yourself. You're putting all kinds of dents in your shield. Now, one thing I want to talk about this week is now we're, we're, we're a month clear of Mayweather-McGregor, and we're two weeks removed from Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin. And with those two things so tightly together, to me there was a bit of a, uh, a larger conversation in terms of the trends between the two sports, the impact of these two fights, and what they meant for the combat sports world and these two sports in particular. We now have had some time to sit and put these two side by side and really examine what this all means. So so for me I decided to engage with each fight on a as purely a sporting standpoint as possible okay I wanted to shed away all the hype any of the star power any of that marketing and focus solely on the matchups from a competitive standpoint Okay that that's just me that's just what I wanted to do that's how I wanted to embrace these fights, which is why I came away from Mayweather McGregor with a decidedly cynical view. And I came away from Canelo versus triple G with a decidedly optimistic view because from a sporting standpoint, one was great and the other wasn't from a competitive standpoint. One was great and the other wasn't the simple fact is one matchup was between the very best in their respective sports while the other was a matchup of a faded version of one of the best in the very in, in their respective sport versus the very best in a sport moonlighting in another sport. And and that showed up in their fights. Does that mean one was more entertaining than the other? No, of course not. Mayweather McGregor was entertaining, but not in a sporting perspective. It was because of from a hype and a marketing perspective. And being sold on an idea. And we loved that idea and embraced that idea. And there's nothing wrong with that, and that's great. But from a sporting perspective, it was not more entertaining. Canelo Triple G was more entertaining. You know, Mayweather and McGregor, we we cared more. The characters involved were more interesting. The financial windfall was more prolific. It had a place within the mainstream pop culture fabric. And what I think has been revealed is in hindsight, because MMA has now superseded boxing as the most popular combat sport, people turned out in droves to watch Mayweather-McGregor and not Canelo versus Triple G. And that's what played out. MMA is the trendier, more popular sport you know perhaps the audience for MMA isn't bigger in terms of like total people but neither is is and neither is the market in terms of the pay scale compared to boxing but MMA is decidedly more trendy and has an easier time with which to mobilize its fans to pay attention boxing can't mobilize the mainstream people anymore maybe there are more people who like boxing but it can't mobilize those people mma's audience is there they come out they'll come out and watch mcgregor fight in a boxing match any day of the week but it's hard to convince just any boxing fan to show up for a boxing fight it's hard to convince uh, a mainstream sports fan to show up for just any boxing fight even canelo versus triple g You know, if MMA and boxing were two kids in a room full of adults, boxing would be the kid the adults are all complimenting after as being so mature and well-spoken, but MMA would be the kid that everyone is paying attention to. The whole night. The kid everyone is saying, wow, he's so energetic and charismatic. That's the difference. One commands your attention and the other doesn't. Triple G versus Canelo was a fight made for boxing traditionalists. And Mayweather-McGregor was a fight made for everyone. All right, a few quick hitters to end the show. Paige Van Zandt versus Jessica I has been pulled from UFC 216. That's a shame. Uh, You know, Jessica I is a tough gamer. She shows up um you know she's hot and cold throughout most her career Paige Van Zandt of course is the hot young thing everyone wants to see her fight all the time she's got this following going behind her again she's a bit hot and cold but that would have been a quality matchup would have been good to see too bad uh James Vick versus Joe Duffy is expected to be announced for USC 217 Joe Duffy man buttery smooth hands He is a good fighter he's an exciting guy and James Vick too he is an ascending guy that should be a real fireworks-type matchup. Really interesting. Something to to pay attention to um, for that New York card. And lastly but not least, Dana White has shut down the idea of Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz three at UFC 219 on December 30th. So we will not get that fight to end the year. Oh, shame. Shucks. I was really hoping for it. Whatever. It'll happen when it happens. I just want to see Conor McGregor back in the UFC. Doing his thing. I don't care who it's against, quite honestly. I want to thank you for joining me for this week on The Hurt Take. Thank you for joining me for another round. I have been your host, Reese Dobegan. You can follow me on Twitter at R-D-O-W-B at rdobe. Check us out on Facebook, Not The Public Broadcaster. Check out our website, not publicbroadcaster.com Check out some of our other podcasts, show up occasionally. Sound and groove with Evan. Do Android Dreams of Moving Pictures. Check out all of our material.